Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine. You might see my little face at the front each month. But each week, myself and the rest of the Olive Magazine gang are here to bring you the latest food, drink and travel news straight to your eardrum. Lucky you. This week, we have got a fantastic roundup of things to talk about. First, we have Alex, our editorial assistant and digital writer, talking about her brilliant weekend away in Helsinki, where she has been trying everything from reindeer meatballs to rhubarb pie for breakfast and honey nectar mead. We've also got Michael Z of Symmetry Breakfast fame. You might have been a long-term follower of his Instagram account. He's got some 600,000 followers at the moment, but now is your chance to hear what he sounds like, find out how it all started and learn about his new cookery book. And finally, we have our lovely cookery team, Janine and Anna, talking us through our milk feature in our September issue. We have a really, really incredible collection of recipes from Genevieve Taylor, a Bristol food writer, using this humble ingredient that you have in your fridge all the time. So sit back, get comfortable and be prepared to feel very, very hungry. Now, when we plan our holidays, food is always at the heart of our itineraries and nobody in the Olive team, except for perhaps the travel editor, puts that into practice more than our resident globetrotter, Alex. And this week, she's revealing her latest food finds in the Finnish capital, Helsinki. Okay, so I am here, Laura, hello, with Alex, our editorial assistant and digital writer. Hello. Um, Now, Alex is a renowned traveller amongst the team and she's always off jet-setting about to lots of different exciting places. And this weekend, she went to Helsinki, um, which was a bit of, (laughs) it was an unusual choice. And not many of us in the office have been there. I think uh, Rhiannon, our travel editor, has been, but no one else has. Mm -hmm. And I know you were saying a lot of your friends were like, Alex... Why the hell Helsinki? So why? (laughs) Why, (laughs) please? I'm tell you. Uh, Yeah, so before we went, a lot of people said it's very random because obviously lots of people are going to places like Copenhagen Mm. and Stockholm and other um, Nordic uh, countries and cities. And I think I was speaking to Rhiannon, our travel editor, about it, and she said that um, it used to be really expensive to get to, right. so not many people could afford to go. And also, it's um, very, very expensive once you're there. Okay. Um, but actually, I found it was about the same as Copenhagen oh, and um, Gothenburg in Sweden. And even though there are, obviously, everywhere you go, there's a really expensive place, but you can mm. do it really, you can do it cheaper okay. um, as well. 
Um, and even people when we were there were saying, do you mind me asking, why are you here? <laughs> we're like, are you uh, sure that wasn't specific to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was It was strange. But um, I went because um, I know somebody from Helsinki and um, she said I'd absolutely love it because I love coffee culture and I love like, Scandinavian mm-hmm. design and everything. Um, and it does have a lot of similarities with um, other Nordic countries with the food, but they have the, their own take on it. Okay. And one thing that I really noticed about it is... Um, it was so calm and um, the Finns are renowned for being very calm and they're very happy just sitting in silence, yeah. which is a bit difficult for me. But, um, <laughs> but they're, they're very happy just, I think it comes from the sauna culture. Yeah. Because it was amazing being there because people just, you just go to the sauna after work or, you, you know, it's just the thing you do rather than going to the gym. Yeah. You go to, I'm sure they go to the gym as well. I mean, that sounds like my kind of... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> workout um but um they yeah and there's loads of saunas in Helsinki and they have the private ones but there's a lot of public ones as well and they're still in use and there's um some very very traditional old ones but one of the favorite places my favorite places that I went there was um a new sauna and it's it's very upmarket it's called Loli Okay. Which is, uh, it's, um, I'm glad you spelt, were reading that and not me. <laughs> yes, it's spelt L-O-Y-L-Y, and okay. we were told that we were pronouncing it wrong. But, um, yeah, it's very upmarket, and you get a two-hour slot, and you can use the two saunas, and it's all very wooden and very, very cool and scanty. It's, and it's lovely, and you can go and dip in the sea after as well. Which oh, amazing. It sounds awful, but actually you do want to because, yeah. you, you know. Um, and then you go and sip on champagne by the log fire at the end, and then you go into, they've got an amazing bar, which is right on the front, mm. and you can go and have traditional Finnish food like uh, we had reindeer meatballs with lingonberry jam God, and good. also Finnish gin and tonics, which were really good. That sounds very like you, Alex, to <laughs> seek out the gin and tonic in yes, the area. So definitely. what made it a Finnish gin and tonic, please? Um, well, they have a gin, which I was told about before I went, because, yes, I was, everyone knows I love gin. <laughs> um, and it's called, well, I think it's pronounced Napu Gin, okay. N-A-P-U-E. And it's distilled in Cairo Distillery, um, which is for the north in Finland right. so we couldn't get there but it has all the like the Finnish um, botanicals and flavours coming through like meadow sweet sea buckthorn cranberries and birch leaves oh so it's um, quite refreshing and almost yeah. sour was it um, yeah, well, it's served with cranberries as oh, well okay, and great. rosemary. Lovely. Um, and it's, it was really, really nice and fresh. And um, they use birch leaves in a lot. We had um, we, we stayed in Hotel Lilla Roberts, which okay. was a really nice new hotel in the centre, in the design district. And um, they had these Nordic cocktails. And there was one which was a Midsummer's Eve cocktail and they had spring birch infused gin oh, right. uh, with Saint-Germain elderflower and topped up with bubbly. And mm. then they had birch leaves around in this amazing glass. I put a picture on Instagram if you um, look at Olive Magazine's Instagram. And um, they burnt, they set like... Uh, set the birch leaves alight so okay. the smoke from the birch leaves comes up and Amazing. we smell of birch leaves the whole evening but um, there's worse yeah. things to smell so, of. yeah exactly so yeah it was lovely so nice so we we've heard a lot about the drinks what about mm-hmm. the food what are kind of the classics um well as i said that it there's quite a lot of similarities with sweden and mm-hmm. a lot of um finland is uh, that there's a lot of swedish speaking Finns. so there's a lot of uh, cross culture yeah um um but the 
probably one of the most standout dishes is the fish soup, lojiketo. Okay. Um, and we had that at a lovely bar called Cafe Success, which is a really traditional old bar, and you can go and have cinnamon buns and this fish soup there. Okay. So I recommend going there if you're going to go to Helsinki. And we've also got a recipe on our website okay. for it. And it's... Um, it's salmon and uh, it's like creamy, but it's really light and creamy soup with potato and Do you know dill. I remember this in the test kitchen now. It's a very yeah. nice soup indeed. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good one to check refreshing. out on olivemagazine.com. Yes. And then they also have these, um, they call them moiku, uh, but they're known in English as vondas. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of them. No. And they're like salty, they're like white bait a little bit and they're mm. salty fried little fish and they're sold everywhere as street food. So you have them with chips or just in cones and you just eat them like you would chip, right. chips <laughs> which is really nice yeah. and then um also there's there's this uh tradition well i think it's a new tradition it's called sapas okay. so it's finished tapas great and we had them at a gorgeous restaurant called jury j-u-u-r-i and they have lots of local flavors in tiny little portions okay um, so they have things like grouse with birch and the vondas again and um then they have this finished rye bread which they dry out um and they have it hanging from their ceilings which is they're very it's really interesting to see those because they're like massive wheels okay cool yeah um and then also the breakfast are really lovely um, in the, the hotel, we had like blueberries, rhubarb pie, oh. um, honey nectar mead, which was really interesting. Like all of these yeah. were breakfast this summer. Yes, <laughs> I know. It was a brilliant breakfast. It was uh-huh. on a Monday as well, so I was feeling very smug. Yeah, we um, saw Alex's Instagram <laughs> in the office and we were like, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and they also we'll have a lot of salmon. Toast. <laughs> uh, yeah, juniper smoked salmon and herring and everything. So that's, yeah, brilliant. And then right. they have also, they have... They're obsessed with coffee. Okay. So they don't just have it for breakfast, they have it about five times a day. So it's like tea in England. So they are buzzing, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> Which is like, because in Sweden they have fika, so okay. they have um, cinnamon buns and coffee. But in Finland they have a lot of cinnamon buns as well. Okay. Um, and a really, if you're going to Helsinki, a really lovely thing to do is sit by... Well, it's not. It looks like a lake, but it's actually mm. a bay because it's part of the sea. Okay, and it's called Tulonlahti Lake. And um, if you go and sit on, there's two cafes: one cafe Tinny, and one cafe Sinizen Huvilen. I will write all this up, by the way, <laughs> so you can look on OliveMagazine.com because I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it. I'm correct. very much enjoying your pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, you can sit and have cinnamon buns or blueberry ice cream because they're obsessed with white garden blueberries. Mm. Um, And also, um, for a bit more of a trendy spot, there's a a place called Kalio, and that's the the more student-y, young, hip district. And there's a place called Good Life Coffee, which is really nice to just sit in and watch the world go by. Okay, I'm a big fan of doing that uh, when I go to a place. I think it's a really good way to kind of get the feel of an area. Definitely. So are there any other, like, cool hangouts or trendy spots that I need to go to when I book my Helsinki trip? Yes. Well, I, as I said, that my, one of my, um friend she she's from Helsinki and she told us to go to a place called Fafas um and it's a kebab place and when we when we <laughs> a kebab place okay yeah. Yeah. Do, we, do you go on well we saw pictures of it and where we turned up we were like oh really yeah. uh, but it it's like an institution there yeah. all of the the well anybody cool yeah anybody young or old or whatever of age and um we went and sat in there and 
uh, had it's like upmarket kebabs and they have pita breads filled okay. with things like they have like coriander and chili patties yeah. or they have like aubergine and like um, halloumi so they have loads there cool but that's really good to go to to actually just get a bit of a taste of like the local life yeah and also there's another really cool place called skiffer and it's a pizza place which is a little well it's like two minute boat ride but you have to get a boat so they charge you quite a lot to get out there but um it's it's in the middle of the sea and uh, you can have pizzas and there's djs and it's really cool that sounds really um and it's you can have rainbow trout and summer veg on the pizza which is a finish um which is all like finished produce so good um but yeah it's very cool yes <laughs> is that a thing uh yes uh they even though it's it's freezing we went in i've just come back so it was you know mid-august mm-hmm. and that's another reason why people are like why are you going there mm-hmm. but um it was cold but it was lovely and it's really fresh and everyone they just sit outside at any opportunity they have blankets everywhere Great. and all the cafes are outside and they also have all these crayfish parties because That's they've great. taken that tradition from from mm. the Swedes. Um, you know, they say they they invented it as well because there's crayfish everywhere. Yeah, but um, they're always out outdoors, and it's really lovely. Actually, you just need to wrap up warm, so especially pack. in the winter because I went in August and yeah. we still had to wrap up. Pack your thermals. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pack your thermals. Book your coffee shops and yeah. uh, get on your gin and tonic. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like a really, really good weekend. Yeah, it was really, I really do recommend it, even though it's quite random. Okay, <laughs> well, not so random now, you've explained no. it. Um, so thank you very much. No um, I'll be reading olivemagazine.com very soon to read all about, yes. about it in more detail. And um, thank you very much, Alex. No Look forward to your next adventure. Yeah. Thank you. The latest issue of Olive Magazine, the one with the giant freak-shaped cheesecake on the cover, is a true ode to one of 2016's big food trends, breakfast and brunch. Now, we've got a fantastic feature inside that issue, including recipes from Anna, our cookery writer, such as breakfast pizza. We've got Dutch babies with ice cream. Yes, that is allowed at breakfast, I promise. And Sri Lankan hoppers. We've also got a really incredible recipe from Michael Z, who you may know better as the co-founder of cult Instagram account Symmetry Breakfast. This week, Janine, our food editor, has managed to grab him away from his book, Tall Madness, to tell us about where it all began. So today we've got um, Michael Z in the studio with us, and we're talking about his Instagram account, Symmetry Breakfast, and his new book, Symmetry Breakfast, which is based on the Instagram account. Um, Michael, when we published this month um, a recipe from your book, and we were talking about the book in the magazine, it was when we went to press it, 550,000 followers. And I think as of this morning, you've got 619,000 followers. So you're, <laughs> so you're gaining week by week. And yeah. it's been an amazing story. Can you just tell us about, you know, how, how it came to be, basically? Uh, yeah, so it, it started when um, Mark moved in with me, which was uh, early 2013. Yeah. And um, he, at the time, was working at Burberry, Nice. And he he was he was designing the the men's catwalk show. Okay. And he, I mean, anyone who knows someone who works in fashion knows that it's a completely insane industry. Yeah, and in the kind of run up to the men's fashion week, yeah, six weeks before the show, I just I just wouldn't see him. <laughs> so it was quite surreal. Twelve weeks in the year, mm. this person you're living with, and you kind of see see them for thirty minutes in the morning. Yeah. 
you know, when you're brushing your teeth and having a bowl so of cereal. So you occasionally made it home at night from from the studio. Well, the, the <laughs> sometimes, you know, I'd be fast asleep. I'd be, he'd arrive home two two in the morning, three wow. in the morning, and go slide into bed next to me, and then I would just wake up the next day, and he would be there. Um, so it kind of started out of that um, those beginnings of we were both working full time, but he was so much busier than I was. Yeah. Um, so I then started to make breakfast uh, and it was just a thing that we did when we were the first going out and you know I would go to his at the weekend or he would come to mine at the weekend and I think it really shifted when we started living together because I was no longer sharing with a friend okay. so you know when when you're sharing as a student you have your shelf in the fridge yeah. and you have your cupboard <laughs> in the kitchen but eventually uh, you know it's the first time I'd live live with someone um who was you know, a boyfriend. Yeah. And so the kitchen became mine. So it was, you know, you can make as much mess as you like. You can buy as much stuff as you like. You don't have to worry about, you know, the milk or, oh, that's my milk, that's your milk. <laughs> um, you know, and it just became more comfortable. Yeah, and uh, you could show your love through the medium of breakfast. Yeah, and, and the other the other big shift was the fact that we um, we decided not to have a second, a spare bedroom. Okay. Because Mark moved in with me and I was sharing so it was. It's a two bed flat. Oh, so you just yeah. So we decided to turn that bedroom into the dining room. Yeah. To a dining table, and that it became you know somewhere we could actually sit down that wasn't you know on the edge of the sofa. It's quite a luxury in London, isn't it? To have uh, that. It's 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 very. I don't uh, sometimes. I sometimes forget how lucky I am to have a dining room yeah. in a rented property. And then, and, and then how did Instagram happen from there? I mean, that's quite a jump to think, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll just set up an Instagram account and put it on every single day. Well, I mean, the, the breakfast first started off very kind of run-of-the-mill. Um, but then as they slowly became more elaborate, mm. you know, I've, I've always been interested in cooking. Um, and I, I studied photography as my undergraduate. Um, so it wasn't, very, it wasn't very long until I started taking photos of them. What I was, what I was cooking, and not not so much for anyone else, you know. I, I was a very late adopter to Twitter, and uh, Facebook was so personal, and yeah. Instagram had just kind of launched for a, only a, f- a year or two before, and it didn't have all that function that it does now, like search and whatever. And I remember thinking, "What's a hashtag?" I, don't know, I couldn't quite <laughs> understand the concept, but I think we've all been there. Yeah. Um, so it kind of it started very slowly, and. Um, you know, it wasn't until one of Mark's old colleagues said, I really like these photos you're putting on your personal Instagram. Okay. Um, you should turn it into its own thing. Yeah. And it kind of started to slowly, slowly grow from there. And at the beginning, it wasn't every day. And at the very start of actually creating the Symmetry Breakfast accounts, I actually got um, pneumonia. <laughs> so there was oh like a God. kind of six-week period <laughs> where I didn't take any pictures and... Yeah, and it, it it was kind of stop start. It was very sporadic at the yeah. beginning, and then it and then it kind of set the dust settled, and yeah. I got I, I worked out a kind of routine, and then yeah, and then it just got picked up by a very large American food uh, not food blogger. Uh, she's kind of lifestyle makeup oh, okay. fashion called Kat Von D. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. and she reposted one of the photos wow. really early on and said, "I wish I was inside this girl's brain." Um, and that's that's been a kind of ongoing thing. Yeah. People always assume that I'm a girl. Okay. Um, yeah. So that that so was. So she gave you a huge boost in terms it, it, of it an audience. Twenty thousand in Did one it? night. Wow. Yeah. So it's quite surreal. The power of the you know the what I was at the time very unaware of. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and did you feel the pressure then of having, you know, 20,000 new people looking at your yeah, stuff every day? It was it was a strange um, moment because it's kind of like, what do you do? What do you do with these <laughs> people who are interested in what you're mm. doing? You know, and, it, and it, I think it was only from that point that I started to take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, and even then, that that was like, I would say, two years before... No, that, that was yeah. That was about two years ago. Yeah. So it's 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 been you know a slow burn, yeah. Gradual gradual rise. But it seems what's really lovely about about the the account and the the book. There's so much love and heart and passion within it. You know, you can see like it's it's not really changed. As in, you've you've developed and you're you're bringing in more and more different countries and more and more different types of breakfast. But but essentially, it's still the same as you started out making mm. a breakfast for you and your boyfriend every morning. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think at the very beginning, I was very conscious of um, the motivation behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working full time at the V&A for the majority of running this wow. account. So I never had pressures of having to make money. You right. know, yeah, so I had a full-time job in a place that I absolutely loved working. So it was it was just, it was for the love of doing it. And then when I left the V&A, it was and and you know, I started to make more money than I was at the V&A. Wow. The focus, <laughs> the sh- the motivation for doing it, um there was a shift and I yeah. was very conscious to not let that uh, not let the motivation change. Yeah. Because um, there is a, there is a, uh, you see it quite a lot when, you know, people strike big yeah. and, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, I can make that much money. I can make that much money from a post. And I think I'm very careful to not um, uh, expect money. No. Because, you know, as easy as it's been created, it could be gone tomorrow. I mean, it does. It, it comes across as a labour of love, you know, yeah. to me. When, I'm, when, I've, I've, when it pops up in my feed, it's always beautiful looking. There's always really interesting ideas there. And, um, you know, just looking through the book today, because, because, of, your, um, because of your account, you, you got a book deal. And it's an absolutely stunning book. And um, I think there's, is there over 100 recipes in here? I think it's, I think it's between 19 and 100. 19 and 100. I mean, actually counted, but some of them, you know... There are multiple components to a recipe, yeah. so whether you count them as one or as three. And each photograph of the the recipes is is one that's been taken by yourself. Yeah, and so the whole book's shot on my phone uh, at home. Uh, I did everything myself. Didn't, didn't it's have fantastic. A, yeah. I mean, it just shows you te- how technology's come forward yeah. because. You would not know this was shot on a phone. No, I'm, I mean, I, <laughs> I know, it's, I'm but it's not just slightly the phone, biased because it? I see the guy behind the phone as yeah, well. Yeah, like, you know what to absolutely. do with that. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing with people, you know, uh, the whole thing was shot with just daylight. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were t- they, there were days when I couldn't shoot because the light in the in the middle of the day is so bright, you don't yeah. get that lovely soft shadow. Yeah. So I was shooting in the, the very early morning, and then kind of as the sun was setting yeah. to get that similar to get a soft light. Yeah, so it was quite interesting because then I used the middle of the day to prep and cook and yeah. plate up and play around with so things. So you so you had I mean what a professional photographer would call quite basic equipment but you played with light and you played with mood and that's how you get this fantastic result. So again it's like it's your you're bringing yourself to the pictures as well as just, you know, snapping things on a phone. Um it's it's a lovely book and one of the things I think it's great about it, as you say in the beginning, breakfast means so many different things to so many different people. And you often get the comment, that's not breakfast, mm. because it's not breakfast for them in their country. But 
in another country, you know, it could be something that that's you know like congee or whatever. It's something that you you would standard eat in in Asia. Mm. Um, also, it's quite interesting that I notice you've got an unusual heritage of <laughs> Scottish Chinese Chinese granddad, Scottish, Scottish Chinese scouse. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A heady mix. Um, yeah, that that's had a massive impact. Mm. Um, you know, uh, my dad owned. Chinese chippies when I was a kid. Yeah. So I worked in them um, in, in Liverpool uh, growing up, up until I was about 15, 16, and then he sold them um, because none of, I'm the youngest of four, and none of my, me or my siblings wanted to, wanted to take it on. Take it on. Yeah. And, you know, because my dad worked six days a week and yeah, stank of chip fat, and yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't seem like the best industry mm. to go into. And it's nothing's changed in, in modern restaurants. Chefs still work. Yeah extortion hours and doubles crazy hours crazy hours and yeah uh, yeah. when when you're 15 it's kind of like "Mm, I'll pass I'll pass on that maybe I'll go to art college I (laughs) don't know it seems like a good deal but it's really informed the recipes in the book and I mean it must have been such a huge research job to bring in all of that you know like breakfast from around the world how did you go and source all of these different recipes well well, last year Mark and I visited about 15 countries um Plus, the kind of you know, there's there's lots of memories that have, uh, are there, but I haven't written explicitly about. It. I remember it was um, 2009. I went to I went to China with my sister, yeah. and um, we went kind of backpacking across the whole of China. Wow. And um, one day we were climbing up this um, mountain called Emei, which is one of the yeah. holy Buddhist mountains in the in the middle of the country. And one day we woke up really. Uh, we were hiking up this mountain stayed over in a, in a monastery and the next day we left at kind of 5am because we want we needed to leave that early to to finish the hike to then get back to then get the train back to the city to go on to the next leg and th- th- we woke up and we went kind of hiking for like 30 40 minutes till the sunrise and then we stopped off had breakfast and it was egg fried rice and a bottle of coke and nowhere in the world is that a typical breakfast no. but it's like well you just make do yeah when you're in these circumstances and this little hike cafe has that's all they have yeah and it really made me that, that really sticks in my in my mind because you know i think now we live in such a, a globalized world where you know uh, everything's available everywhere pretty every, much, everything's yeah. the same pretty much yeah. everywhere and there's this expectation that when we go to exotic places we're going to have an authentic experience yeah. and i think we try and um glorify what we think is authentic too much yeah because you know we have i have friends and they come to visit from you know far uh, far flung places like yeah. you know um and you say to them, oh, there's a great Turkish around the corner, or there's a great Vietnamese cafe around the corner, should we go? And they're like, I've come all this way to London, <laughs> I want to go to a pub. And we don't think like that ourselves, no. you know, we don't eat authentic British food all no. the time. And, you know, and this, this now shift is what is authentic and mm. what's the definition of British food today. And, you know, if you were to take a, a, an American friend to a, a, a modern British restaurant. Yeah, they that, wouldn't recognise that as British. Not at all, perhaps. because you've been like, where's the beef stew, where's the dumplings, yeah. where's the fried food? There's a really nice quote from your mum in the book. I think it was your mum who said, 
perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. Is that right? Well, I mean, uh, which I think was what you were saying about think, you trying to get the perfect, perfectly authentic thing doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Which is the way yeah. you know a, re- a good recipe writer approaches stuff. You want to get the essence of the thing, but you also want it to be something that people can make and exactly because taste good. You know, I, I've seen in the past kind of year lots you know reading Amazon reviews about books and reading cookbooks as well there's a lot of criticism when people say well I can't get that where I live yeah and it's all very well and good living in in um, in London sometimes but actually it is impossible to get certain ingredients even in big cities yeah. like Manchester or Birmingham it's true. Uh, I went um I went home to on Mother's Day last year to surprise my mum to make her breakfast and they live in the outskirts of uh, Liverpool. So, but I, wanted, I went via Manchester because I wanted to see an exhibition. And I thought, oh, I'll pick up the ingredients in Manchester rather than lugging them all the way yeah. up with me. <laughs> Couldn't find half of them. So even I was like, this, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. You know, this is a city with a million people and a diverse uh, food scene. And I can't find fresh dill or I can't find, you know, a certain smoked yeah, salmon or something. Yeah, little quirky things like that. Yeah, and it's quite uh, surprising I guess online's become the, the hero of the day for stuff like that yeah. as well. I, w- I said I wasn't going to put you on the spot, but I am right now. <laughs> just to say, um, what would be your desert island breakfast dish? What would be the one thing that if you had to eat that for breakfast for the rest of your life, it would, it would be? Mm, I think, I think I'd probably go for something Japanese. I think... There's there's something about the Japanese breakfast where it's many components and there's lots of different interesting flavours mm. and you have the kind of you always have boiled rice or some sort of rice and then you have this your egg whether it's kind of the omelette egg or onsen eggs and then you always have like miso soup and something sweet and something sour and something salty and it's it's so um, there's so much care and attention that's gone into it that you, you're never bored. Mm. But there's no more work that goes into a Japanese breakfast than, say, a full English breakfast. Yeah. They have as equal number of components. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And a balance com- as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think the nice thing with the Japanese... When when I was in Japan a few years ago, there was this kind of real um, focus on that perfection is achievable. Yeah. Like even, if, even if they never reach it, they were trying to achieve it. And that is like a kind of uh, a beautiful thing in itself. Yeah. That he, even first thing in the morning, someone's prepared you this meal and it's so beautifully... Yeah. All the handmade ceramics and you're kind of sitting on the floor with a bamboo straw mm. floor and it's just presented to you in, in stages and it's all about kind of having it turned the correct way and there's just something so exquisitely yeah. detailed and it's it lifts your soul doesn't it because it's yeah. been it, it's it's there to kind of perk you up and give you like you know a boost for the day and it yeah, does that absolutely and i think in it in japan i think there was i didn't see a single continental breakfast you know that kind of classic yeah. hotel breakfast that it can either be really amazing or can be really depressing yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i think with the, the japanese breakfast is just uh this, there's a real art to it. Yeah. It? yeah. I think that's a good choice. Well, um, I've been through the book and so many things I want to eat. One of my favourite things I came across is what you call Benny buns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a brioche bun, which is hollowed out and toasted, and then you layer it with ham, poached eggs and hollandaise and then bacon again and I was just sold completely on that and I was thinking what's a Benny bun what's a Benny and then I realised it was eggs benedict you know it took me a little while to catch up on that and then the other one I absolutely adore these which is the 
how do you pronounce Vada, that? Vadapav. Vadapav, yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, oh, yeah, they're delicious. Spiced potato burger from Mumbai. And I've eaten these before and they're just, oh, they, for me, like spices for breakfast is just a wonderful thing because yeah. again it really gets your kind of heart racing I agree. it gets you kind of you know wakes you up and then if you have some strong Indian coffee with it as well mm. that really does do the job but um it's an absolutely stunning book as I said hundreds and hundreds of um gorgeous ideas in in, in here um and it's called Symmetry Breakfast Cook Love and Share by Michael Z um it's been published this month is that right oh it came out last Thursday last, last Thursday mm. so go out and buy it um thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today it's been really interesting thank you i told you you were going to feel hungry didn't i now we have janine and anna talking us through one of the possibly the most undervalued and underused british ingredients that we all have in our fridge milk in our september issue we have a fantastic feature using this humble ingredient and here are janine and anna to tell us more so Anna, we've got a really interesting feature in um, September issue of Olive. And we do. It's all about cooking with milk, which is quite an unusual ingredient as a starting point for a, for a recipe. It is, yeah. They're not the usual suspects either, actually. No, it's not all sweet things. Um, we've got some really interesting stuff from around the globe. What, what, which recipes caught your eye when you were testing them? So my favourite, I think, in this feature is the spumato. Oh, yeah. With crispy kale and caramelised <laughs> pine nuts. Um, it's, it's just a really quick, easy recipe, but it's also it's so delicious. Can you explain what a sfumato is? It's so, it's, <laughs> Love um, saying it's sfumato. <laughs> so it's almost like a souffle. Um, we've said sort of in, the, in, in the introduction, it's a cross between a dense souffle and a crustless quiche. Nice. So, and it means unmoulded in Italian. So it is, so you sort of turn it out onto a plate and it does keep its shape, but it's light as air and then it's got really soft, nutty, um, cauliflower in the middle mm. and so the batter is quite simple it's sort of eggs milk parmesan a bit of mustard and then on top it's got uh, fried kale so it's really crispy and then something which I wouldn't have thought to do as well is caramelized pine nuts yeah, it's really for, good um, with a little like, bit of sugar on them yeah, yeah that's so good and it's interesting because we've been talking about how cauliflower is the kale of 2016 it just seems to be more and more popular and every time we put a cauliflower recipe up online it goes crazy and this is such a good way of using cauliflower as well it can, you I think you roast it before you put it in don't you so it gets slightly caramelized as well and then yeah. it goes into the the butter and it, um it actually look it does look like a sort of giant cauliflower cake with kale and pine nuts it it's a really impressive picture though and it's interesting using milk in um savory recipes and especially Italian recipes um another Another one we've got in there is a very classic Italian recipe, which is pork cooked in milk. Um, and I think traditionally you would do that with a pork loin and you would simmer it in the milk. And it's not its not really a looker of a recipe, the original recipe, because the milk kind of separates separates out a bit. But the but what the milk does do is really tenderise the pork and then you get this fantastic savoury sauce at the end of it. Mm. Um, the recipe we've got uses pork belly and it's cooked in milk and then surrounded by little chunks of potato. And those potatoes then soak up all of the milk and then get a really gorgeous crust on it. So that's it's a real crowd pleaser, isn't it? It is. And it's almost like it just leaves a bit of gravy at the bottom of yeah. the pan as well. So it's <clears> really nice. And then you've still got a little bit of crackling on top of the pork because we're using pork belly. I think it's a great one pot as well. Everybody yeah. loves a one pot. Well, I do because <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> and then two Mexican recipes. And I think... Um, 
This is where you can see it really getting into the kind of fabric of the cuisine of the country. There's a Casa Blanca, which is um, you make cheese basically from milk, which um, I've I've not done before. Um, and it's a really simple method. Yeah, you just basically heat the milk up a little bit like if you make paneer. Yeah. And then you add lemon juice. And so the, when the milk curdles, you yeah. essentially so the, strain it. So and, the, the curds separate from the whey yeah. and then you strain it, flavour it and you have cheese and um, they flavour it with kind of char-grilled chilies, and I think we've got we've got some spring onions in there as well. Or... Cumin, chilies, yeah. yeah, it's really a really lovely recipe. It's served with tortilla chips, and it's just a really lovely way of of, of creating a fresh cheese. And then my other and one of my favourite cake recipes is the tres leches cake, yes. which means three milks, and this is a spectacular cake to get on the table for pudding. Um, it's quite a nice light sponge. And then what you do is you mix together um, evaporated milk, condensed milk and cream, double cream, uh, with some booze, if you like. And then you poke holes in the cake and gradually you soak the sponge in this delicious kind of milk mixture. And I think we've covered it in cream and coconut to finish, but um, when you cut into that cake, it's got the most amazing kind of squidgy, oozy texture. So it's definitely one for a little bit of a show-off pudding but um I was really really impressed at the range of different recipes you can do with milk um and I think if people pick up the mug this month um, there's definitely going to be something in there for them to try yeah they're all a little bit different which is nice yeah. um I think the Spanish flan as well is one that sort of really slow cooked with uh, eggs and milk with a sort of it's almost like a creme caramel yeah. style which is it's really like a nice. giant creme caramel, yeah. which, if you're a fan, um, will, will please you very much because <laughs> it it looks really kind of golden and shiny on the plate. So, lots of things in there to um, to tempt people. And we were talking as well about obviously, um, on one hand, milk is a fantastic ingredient. On the other hand, some people can't actually tolerate it. So. Just as a um, aside to that, we do have a, a feature online, don't we, about alternatives to milk? We do, yeah, and what to use them for as well. Yeah. So the rice milk or almond milk and, yeah. and soy milk. It's sort of, um, it's a really useful um, piece online about the best uses for them. So yeah. which ones to to cook with and which ones to drink neat and things like yeah. that. So. And it, yeah, so if you find yourself, you know, unable to make these, but you can still look at the beautiful pictures, there's a really useful um, uh, feature for you. So go go read that on olivemagazine.com. But like, thanks for talking us through that. That's great. No Thank you. If you're feeling inspired to cook with milk, make sure you check out our September issue, the issue on the shelves now with the gorgeous freak-shaped cheesecake on the cover for those incredible milk recipes by Bristol food writer Genevieve Taylor. And don't forget to check out that milk feature online at olivemagazine.com for alternative lactose-free milks. So that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast as always. Make sure you tweet us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, you know the drill by now. Get in touch. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't. We want to hear from you. And if you've got any ideas or things you want us to talk about in the future, please get in touch. Otherwise, happy cooking, happy eating as always. And please, please, please make sure you review and rate us on iTunes so as many wonderful listeners like you can hear us as possible. And thank you again. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye.